Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. And on the show today, we have an amazing guest. We have Stefanos Sifandos, and he's a relationship expert that's going to be talking to us about so many amazing things, how to find your power in a relationship, Don't how to not self-abandon just to be in a relationship, how to improve your communication, how to be aware of your polarity in a relationship. And you know, being more in touch with your masculine or feminine, um, just, you know, because you need that polarity to have a healthy relationship. What are the top ingredients needed to have a fulfilling relationship? When is it time to leave a relationship that isn't working for you? Uh, we have so many good tidbits. If you're interested in working on your relationship, detoxing your relationship, then this is an amazing podcast. You know, I'm in a relationship now and I've been, um, you know, following uh, Stefano's work for a little while now. And I just love, love his content and all his little, like little tidbits he throws out there. I just uh, love his energy. And I know you're going to love this podcast too. And I know you guys, uh, you know, watching this, this podcast or listening are concerned about your, your mental health, concerned about your physical health. And I've been delving into the research over the past few years in regards to emotional trauma and, and how our, our childhood, uh, you know, relationships with our primary caregivers creates this foundation upon which we show up in our adult relationships. So I touch on this with Stephanos as well. But if you really wanna do a deep dive on addressing your childhood development trauma that so many of us deal with, whether our parents were narcissistic or they were avoidant or they were, um, you know, had any kind of other, you had any kind of attachment issues with your parents or they were abusive even or neglectful. All of these things affect how we show up in our relationships and can negatively impact them if we're not doing this work on ourselves to develop self-love. And that involves releasing our emotional trauma. And so I created a program called the Emotional Detox Program, and it's all the latest research on how we develop trauma, how this affects us as an adult, and how to release it through sound therapy. And so this is what all the current research is talking about, about how to release emotional trauma. So I created a free masterclass that you can take that touches on all these little topics at emo-detox.com. Go check that out. Um, so our guest today, uh, Stefano Sifondos. So he's a trained educator and relationship expert with a background in behavioral science. So he's passionate about leading people closer to their highest potential. And he helps men and women escape negative patterns and cultivate a positive sense of self, as well as restructuring and reclaiming their relationships with themselves and their loved ones. You can learn more about Stefanos and his work, and he's got lots of different programs. You can do courses and uh, working one-on-one in-person uh, workshops as well. You can check them out at stefanosifandos.com. Steph, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. 
Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of relationship content because I'm in a relationship right now and uh, just trying to, you know, do the best I can with that. And uh, there's always so much to learn. And I've been watching a lot of your content and I love your messaging. And and I wanted to just, you know, volley a bunch of questions at you. I know all of our all of our listeners are going to be really interested in what you have to say. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and why you got into, you know, relationship coaching and, and trying to empower men and women to have better relationships? Yeah, simply put, I, I just, I really sucked at relationships <laughs> as an adult, uh, not completely, but enough to, to eventually, eventually being the key word, notice. But my relationships were strained as a child. It was very difficult for me to be in intimacy and feel safe in relationship. I grew up in a very volatile, violent, abusive household, and it was, there was a great deal of uncertainty. And so, the way that I approached others was really with caution. There was a hypervigilance, not only in my nervous system, but in my psychology and the way that I believed people could be safe in my presence. And so that, that, that really lent itself to why my relationships um, as an adult were really strained, largely my intimate, my intimate romantic relationships, as they are often reflections of our primary caregiver relationships and, and, and the relationships, the core relationships we form during our developmental and formative years um, with self and with others and how we attach uh, and, and not just attachment theory, but how we give love and how we receive love as well. And so that was really challenging for me. And as I became more aware of this, this trauma within me that was suppressed and repressed and really stuck, I, I, well, let me actually backtrack. So I, I began my journey in the personal transformation space somewhat formally over two decades ago and I, and I since I was a little kid I had this desire and yearning to support others to help others to you know change the the, the world and then heal the planet and all these things right and, and I grew up thinking well, if only I could be the United Nations Secretary General I would be able to make a big impact in the world right? as I grew up I realized that um, as an organization there was a lot of complexities to the united nations and that's a conversation for another time but as a kid i just had this big dream of helping others right and so naturally i, I moved into when i when i did go to university i studied behavioral science psychology and social psychology and really wanting to understand people human potential how we relate to each other and so for a very long time i wanted to help and support people and i was doing that but i was avoiding dealing with my stuff and I was using helping others as a way to somewhat tricking myself that I was helping myself. I didn't know that at the time, but as I look back and I, as I've reflected over many, many years and have done deep inner work and exploration of myself, I realized that was really the case. And you'll find that most therapists, most people of service are going into that service because there's a part of them that they want to heal and they want to attend to. And this isn't a judgment. This is a reality for most of us that go into that service-based industry, whether it's therapy or coaching or counseling or spiritual healing, whatever it may be, right? And so as I started to unravel that and unpack that and became clear in who I was and actually started dealing with my stuff as opposed to just focusing on everyone else and, and distracting myself from my own pain, the my my purpose for lack of a better term, my dharma, my vision for self just solidified even more. And I started serving from a more authentic place it didn't change my desire to serve my desire to support others in their journey didn't change what shifted was an equal desire to also support myself 
and to be in integrity and to, to really only support others if I was supporting myself and, and working on myself and being with myself and evolving and expanding my being. And that's when really things shifted uh, a, a great deal. And so I've been in this space for 20 plus years in the personal transformation space more so with relationships probably the last decade specifically and masculine feminine polarity and dynamics um you know sexual identity uh with with a larger focus there and also performance like high performance like how do we optimize ourselves and what i've found is that we optimize ourselves when we are in quote unquote right relationship to us into the things in our lives that matter, including our past, including our traumas, including our challenges and difficulties, including our celebrations and our joys and all the important relationships in our lives. And so for me, relationships is, is almost at the epicenter of that. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, can we as a society and a humanity move into a couple's culture where and I use that term, but where we're prioritizing the power of, of the couple and the power of intimacy, essentially. Yes. I mean, I mean, so many people, they want to, they want to be in a relationship, the desire to be in a relationship and be happy and healthy and get their needs met. But I think it's so easy for people to self abandon in their pursuit to find that ideal relationship. So what does that ideal relationship look like to you? What does like a, you know, a, a great relationship look like to you before we get into what people tend to do wrong or what they need to be doing? It's very, it's very different for every person because every person brings their own hi history to a relationship, their own values to a relationship, their own likes and dislikes, their own, non their, their own, their own non-negotiables to a relationship. And so what's ideal for one couple based on what they want to experience in this lifetime and, and the various experiences they want to have in this lifetime and the kind of, or the type of container or relationship container they want is going to vary from person to person. For me, what contributes to making an ideal relationship for me, and I think this this could be applied to most people that are on a journey of growth, is that myself and my partner prioritize growth as a, as a high value. In other words, we are committed to our own expansion, individual expansion, and we're also committed to the expansion of the relationship. And that that means that we have to embrace all of it. We're not just embracing the good we're not just embracing the convenient we're not just embracing the pleasure we're embracing the spectrum of what that relationship offers us as a mirror and a reflection into who we are and who we can be and who we've been maybe and what needs to shift and change and can we be different in terms of our behavioral patterns and our emotional patterns and interactions with a theme in our lives that has been playing out and i'll give an example in a moment that it's time for that theme to die for example if you come into a relationship and you hold a needy or desperate energy. There's a codependent energy that you hold. And as a result of that, you become a people pleaser. You maximize the needs of others and you minimize your own needs. It's a very, it's a common theme for so many of us, right? And so in that relationship, maybe the partner that you've attracted is being selfish or has selfish tendencies doesn't make them bad. It's just who they are, their own history and conditioning and experiences have contributed to the person they are today. Your old self that would perpetuate an old pattern that's outdated and actually not helpful to your growth would make sure that they're okay all the time. And you would sacrifice yourself in lieu of their needs. The new version of self that wants to come through may gently and compassionately point out that and not sacrifice self and have an open conversation, a dialogue with, with their partner and make requests and say, hey, 
this behavior activates something in me that's my responsibility to deal with however i'm really clear that in relationship the way that we interact with each other i prefer a greater balance of selflessness and selfishness and here's what it looks like and so it's those types of mature conversations so that your partner in a sense is actually giving you an opportunity to break a pattern but we don't see it that way we see we often see it as our partners asking us asking us asking us to to change for them but it's actually for us does that make sense yeah for sure yeah and it's hard to to change your patterns but you know you have to, you have to ask your partner for what you need and i think that so many people can be afraid to ask for their needs to to be met or afraid to express them they don't want to things are going really well they're in a good mood they don't want to you know have a, a a talk a heavy talk but i think so many people self abandon in relationships when it's really the very thing they need to get their needs met and to help their partner grow as well yeah we're often scared to ask for what we need because we don't want to be rejected we don't want the thing that we need that's vulnerable to us and that's very real to us to be rejected or abandoned or humiliated or discarded of or disregarded and so we just it's easy to hide or it's easier to ask for something that's really accessible but not really what we desire and that builds resentment and that builds distance it creates distance and pulls puts barriers up between us yeah and the reality is if you ask for what you need and the person um, rejects you or dismisses you or your feelings or, or leaves you, that's an alignment. That's, you know, you still get what you need, even though it may not be what you want. <laughs> yeah. Better, better to know now than to know years down the track and then reflect back on if only I was in my truth. Yeah, because they it's so easy for so many people to be like like a little bobblehead, like, oh yeah, I love soccer matches, or oh yeah, I love uh I love camping, or just yeah. you know, they just they're not themselves. They don't show up and are true to themselves to try to fit into this relationship and are miserable. Yeah. You know, and the more the more I guess comfortable and exposed we become in relationship, we will generally start speaking our truth a little more unfortunately though if we're not deliberate with it and we're not purposeful with it the truth leaks out or comes out in more abrasive ways and we, we see our partners as threats as opposed to not so the, the example of camping that you just gave like one partner loves camping and the other one doesn't and you know for years they've been camping because that person's been acquiescing and then finally that person's just built up so much resentment they just say look fuck you i don't want to go camping we're just not going camping who wants to and they start abusing camping and the, the being in the outdoors and there's this and there's that and there's the insects and there's the dirt and whatever it may be the dehydrated the space yeah. food <laughs> <laughs> and the partner's like whoa we've been camping for four years what are you talking about and and then then the arguments really begin and then the distance is created again because we haven't been deliberately authentic we and we, we're angry at ourselves we're upset at ourselves that we haven't been in our truth and we take it out in our partners yeah for sure yeah i had that with my ex-husband he's like yeah i love traveling and i'm gonna get my passport and doing all this stuff and then and then he hated traveling actually and and there i didn't go traveling for eight years and it's my Oof. my biggest passion and so it really uh, just hurt our relationship a lot. So you, you, you have to be honest with your partner about what you want, because they're signing a contract, you know, they're signing up for what you're presenting, you know? So you, you have to be honest with what you like, if you want to have a healthy relationship yeah. and permission to change, like everyone has the right 
and to change their minds but can you communicate that as you're shifting and changing can you communicate your needs and the changes that you're experiencing as an individual on your own journey yeah yeah and so so what do you need to do to attract the the right partner to you so like what kind of work do you do people need to be focusing on how do you help your clients kind of attract that that ideal partner their dream romantic partner they're looking for yeah inner child work is super helpful uh trauma release practices and exercises are super helpful as well somatic work and somatic therapy an example of that is breath work uh, can be really useful in shifting old patterns and old paradigms that are lodged in our bodies that are really unconsciously dictating how we behave and keeping us mm, safe in hyper vigilant ways and not allowing us to be fully expressed in relationship so but getting to getting to the core wounds that we've experienced that form our patterns and our behaviors and our beliefs and ideals about relationship and working with those core wounds in very compassionate ways in very slow ways in ways that are in and out so you know slow titration in and out is pendulation and just really being with this stuff in in you know addressing the stuff that we haven't addressed the unresolved pain the unresolved fears the unresolved trauma and really working with that to create clarity in the body and the mind to create spaciousness in the body and the mind so that we can then make decisions and be in our truth and attract from a place of truth as, a, as opposed to a, a place of pretend yeah yeah and so i i think relationships are so amazing where you know you're in this relationship and they bring up these old wounds it's like kind of holding a mirror up to yourself where you these old wounds come up to to be healed you know and can you yeah. talk a little bit about that about that dynamic yeah so i mentioned i touched on this earlier um harville hendrix has written a number of books with his wife as well and, and one of them is keeping the love you find or getting the love you find is another one as well and he very much speaks to the primary caregiver relationships or i would say our adult relationships our adult intimate romantic partnerships are reflections of our primary caregiver relationships with respect to what we did and did not receive both consciously and unconsciously from our primary caregivers and so as we become adults we're looking to have a redo with some core fundamental ways of relating in other words how we derive our utility in relationship and our usefulness our self-worth how we uh, are treated if we've quote unquote done something wrong how we work with challenges in relationship and difficulty and, and, and difference of opinion and remaining can we remain in the in group and not separate and go in the out group which can be very scary and, and from an evolutionary perspective in our nervous systems if we're that's why public speaking is so scary too because if we say something that is against the status quo there's this feeling of annihilation that we're going to be kicked out of the group where we're going to be on our own a hundred thousand years ago 500,000 years ago, being in the wild on your own was surely death. And so we, we want to be agreeable with each other, but at the same time, we want to be in our truth. And so, and, and navigating that, and often as children, if, if we see something, we experience something with our parents that isn't healthy for us, we, we, our voices are minimized. Our power is often taken from us. It's, we give it away, we lose it because we're little people. And we, we, we rely on others for our survival, particularly our parents or primary caregivers. And so it becomes so important for us to realize that we will play out 
very similar scenarios with our adult partnerships, romantic partnerships, in order to have a redo, in order to be different. An example of that is that say you experience a lot of physical abuse from your father. You may attract someone that is very aggressive as an adult, very um maybe not physically abusive, but really aggressive and just very loud and reminds you of your father. And what did your little girl need? I'm using as a woman as an example. What did your little girl need to do back then to feel empowered? And often that question can actually give us insight into what we need to do now, you know, in, in the adult expression of that version, in order to feel empowered, take back our power and begin to change the dynamics of what we're creating and attracting. Could also be, let's just say you've worked through that, but then you attract someone that is very similar to that energetic and you think to yourself, oh, but I've worked through this. What do I need to do here? Maybe you need to say no to the relationship and be really clear. I'm not attracting this kind of relationship. And you do that early on and you start to build a somatic body that is conditioned for a different type of relationship, a, a, a different kind of experience completely. Yeah. And it's hard to say no. It's hard to put your what's familiar. Yeah, it's hard to put your boundaries down. Like when you start getting into a relationship and they're, you've been alone for a while and they're giving you lots of love or the, maybe they're even love bombing you and, yep. and they lie to you about something or they don't keep their word. It's, it can be very difficult uh, to, to, you know, enforce your boundaries or what you, what you really need and turn away someone who's offering love to you or amazing hot sex or, or love bombing you or what have you. Yeah, that's a tough one. The love bombing and the, you know, the, the explosive sex is often what's needed in order for the, that couple to come together. Because if you're, if your shadows, your complementary wounds met each other on the first day, you'd go, I'm not, I'm not going near that. But then if you don't go near that, you don't have an opportunity to heal that. And so it has to come together. Something has to pull it together. Usually it's explosive sex. It's chemistry. It's, oh, you love this and I love that. The values alignment, apparently, you know, at the, on, the, on the surface. Or the love bombing takes place that hooks you in. And then after that limerence phase dissipates, that hormonal flush dissipates, it's generally anywhere from six to 18 months. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's less. That honeymoon period then the more complete version of self starts to come forward and present itself. That's when the real inner work begins. That's when the real relational work begins then. And, and how you be with that and what you, what you extract from that, what you give to that, how you choose to show up differently. Most people don't. They'll just go back into their old patterns and then just say, well, the relationship's not working. Let me just discard of it. Maybe. Maybe the relationship's not meant for you, but have you left too early without the lessons? Have you left too early without changing fundamentally who you are, but you keep repeating the same thing over and over again? And, and so can you talk a, a little bit more about uh, trauma? Because I think this is such a, a huge issue that a lot of people maybe go into couples therapy or like, can, can you just fix him? Can we talk about oh, how he's behaving or, or what have you? You know, people are, it's very easy to look what the other person is doing and hurting you or what, or what have you. But can you talk about how to really have that ideal relationship, the, the amount of work that you need to do on yourself and addressing your own trauma? The greater the trauma that we experience or the, the perception of that, often the greater the inner work and the more consistency that's required. And it's, it's fundamental to any healthy relationship that each individual takes responsibility for their stuff, for their own personal experiences. And when I say that, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not insinuating, I'm not stating that 
you know, it's your fault that you were hurt or it's your fault that, you know, someone decided to, to molest you. It's your, not at all. It has to be your responsibility to heal that though, because if it's not, then you're disempowering yourself. If you're trying to put that in the, in the hands of someone else, whoever it may be, a counselor, a coach, a therapist, your perpetrator, all you're doing is disempowering yourself further and you're, and you're, you're sick, you're cyclically caught in the same spiral. And so, and, and what we'll often do in relationship is project and want our partners, if only our partners could be different, if only they didn't react this way, if only they did this, if only they weren't as angry, if only they uh, acquiesced to my needs, if only they, you know, fill in the blanks. That's very disempowering for us. And we're never going to shift from where we've been to where we want to go. Yeah. And so how do, how do people like make those changes? So from wanting their partner to change to, to them, like at what point do you, you know, you do the work on yourself, at what point is it time to kind of like call it quits on the relationship? That's very difficult to say. It's not, it's not, there's not a one size fits all paradigm for everyone to say, okay, at this point, this is when you've got to call it quits. You know, there are so many inputs that influence that decision. For some people, it could be, oh, I'm going to give it three months. For some people, they need to see certain milestones along the way in terms of progress and growth within the relationship and the way that they're interacting. Uh, for some people, it's, you know, they're, they're addicted to trauma and they, they don't want to let the relationship go. And it's very difficult. And it often usually comes from a, this pain that I'm in right now is way is 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 bigger than the pain of change i've got to get out of this relationship and when that happens then people will make that decision but what i say is that can you exhaust as best as possible yourself in that process in other words can you make the changes that you need to make and and i'd strongly suggest being in reflection in reflective containers with other people coaches counselors therapists etc you know groups of people women groups men's groups co-ed groups whatever it may be where you can get reflection on who you're being honest non-judgmental compassionate reflection and there's healing that takes place in that as well in the nervous system and in the psychology and you make the changes you need to in the relationship and once you feel you've made enough changes and you're not seeing that reciprocated and you've made the requests and you've had honest conversations and you've been non-judgmental and you've practiced compassion and you've been consistent in your being however long that is for you and still no changes and there's unwillingness from your partner i'd say that's a pretty good sign that you need to leave the relationship because they're not going to change and they're yeah. not willing and they're not wanting yeah and i really like what you said before about how you and your spouse are in a you know, you're both committed to growth individually and growth in your relationship. And that like, you're as a person doing that, but your partner is not interested in relationship growth or communication. You know, you're going to, you're fighting an uphill battle that you may lose. Yep. Yeah. Big yeah. Time. And yeah. And can you talk about some of the, like the top ingredients that people need for a really fulfilling, happy relationship? Yeah. Uh, space away from each other is really important uh time and space together is equally as important uh having your own interests and hobbies separately and together is important uh sexual intimacy is important effective communication so learning to communicate in ways that are 
healthy, such as using utilizing nonviolent communication or the Imago dialogue, which Harville Hendricks talks a great deal in his book, simple communication styles and methods that are very effective, especially when you start to master them, because it, you enhance your ability to listen and reflect back and hear someone else and do that for your partner as well, which is very healing. And often that's all someone really needs is to be heard. And if you can master that whew, without getting triggered and charged yourself, it's tremendous, which leads me to another key ingredient, your ability to hold space for your partner's stuff. And the definition of that for me is when, you know, we hear this in the, in the spiritual community, hold space, hold space for your partner, hold space for your friend, hold space for whatever. <sighs> to me, the definition of holding space is can, can someone bring themselves to us in their fullness, not project and, and abuse us. We have to have boundaries around that, but just bring their fullness of, and, and we may not, we may not, like, or it may be really intense what they experience, what they're bringing, but can we not bring our stuff in that moment? Can we not be triggered by that? And that just simply means is doing our own inner work to be, to realize enough that that is that person's stuff and they need to express right now. And it's actually really healing for them to do so. Again, there's safe ways to do that. If you're, if you're being abused or if you're experiencing, um, you know, violence against you, there needs to be a boundary that's set there. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to let that happen and be a punching bag. No, not at all. But that holding space is really important as well. Fun and play. You've got to have fun. You've got to play. You've got to laugh together. You've, you, you just, it's, it's such a crucial ingredient. And there are so many more. I'd say also um, creation. I think creating together is really beautiful. And that could be as simple as you know, you have your own mini book club and you, you read a, you read a book, the same book and over a period of two weeks or whatever it is. And then, you know, you talk about the book and you talk about the learnings of that. And it could be, it could be a fiction or it could be nonfiction. It could be something that contributes to the relationship, which leads me to the next one, which is growth, right? Can you do activities together that are growth promoting? Could be going to yoga class together. That's a, something super simple or training or exercising or going for a walk together, or again, reading a book or, um, doing an online course together or doing a retreat together, whatever it may be, right? Um, that personal growth is really, really important. Um, and the creation part, I should come back to that actually. The, the create together could be doing a business together as well. Could be a service to humanity together too, right? Um, depending on what industry and what space that you're in too. It could be a, 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 a pottery project that you do together. It could be the gar in the gardening, you know? Um, it could be a project around the home, like putting solar panels in, in on the house and you're both, you know, taking care of that. Whatever can you create together is really important. Um, and do novel, you know, have novel experiences with each other. For example, say one of you is a um, mad astronomy fan, you know, go to one of the, uh, greatest observatories on the planet and watch the stars together, you know, do, do engage in adventure and travel and, um, novel experiences. Uh, uh, and that, that also ties into the fun and the play as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know tomorrow I'm watching the world cup all day with awesome. my boyfriend Love it. <laughs> and I'm going to get into it too, but, uh, but yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about, um, polarity. And I, I think this is something that, a lot of people don't really think about uh, in their relationship as much as they maybe should. Because I think there's a lot of issues today with uh, gender roles and uh, masculinity and femininity. And, you know, it seems like a lot of men are maybe not masculine, that they could be maybe more masculine. And a lot of women are taking on a lot of masculine characteristics and roles. Like, And how does this hurt relationship dynamics? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, every couple needs to decide 
what dynamic works works best for them. But when they when a couple is feeling an imbalance, where and I'll use a conventional example here, where a woman is too much in her masculine energetic, and a man may be too much in his feminine energetic, and that doesn't fit right for them. Because for some couples, that may fit really well. Perfect. Like that that dynamic and that role play and that expression of energetics works really well for some couples, and depends who you are fundamentally at your core. I, I developed a. I mean, it's a very it's a very simple assessment that helps you identify what your dominant energetic is in terms of what your preference is of how you like to move through the world and think about the world, whether it's more masculine orientated or feminine orientated, and that's nothing to do with biological gender. I shouldn't say nothing thing to do it's got less to do with biological gender than what we think and more to do with orientation culture there is some biology involved in that of course but more towards conditioning and and how we see the world right but and and for anyone that's interested you can just find that on my website pretty straightforward um but the 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 the, the polarity is very important for magnetism to occur. So if if there's a so let me go back to the example of of a, a woman being in her in a masculine, it doesn't feel quote unquote natural for her in the intimacy of the relationship, and the man being in his feminine energetic that doesn't feel um, natural to him in the intimacy of the relationship. Forget about what's happening in the outside world. Just talk about the, the that couple between them. And so if there's a if they're not in their natural expressive states, there's going to be a lack of polarity. When there's no polarity, there's no magnetism. If there's no magnetism, there's less connection, less intimacy. And we start to drift away emotionally, physically, spiritually. We start to then seek pleasure outside of the relationship because the relationship isn't giving us pleasure. It's it's and it can actually giving be giving us pain because we have these unconscious resentments and, and frustrations that we're projecting into the relationship. And that's when relationships start to break down. And this is why I mentioned you said key ingredients. I mentioned um, sexual union and sexual intimacy being really important. And even just physical touch and intimacy being important, even if that's not a, a primary, um, say, love language for you, it's important that we have physical intimacy at some level. And you, you know, you'll gauge that based on your own personal preferences. But that's important because that's how our nervous systems adapt. That's how we learn to be safe in the presence of others. Um, it, it's, it's through that nervous system activation in the physical presence of others and in physical touch as well. And so if polarity doesn't exist in a relationship, essentially the relationship starts to break down and break apart and we'll seek that polarity, that excitement, that magnetism elsewhere. And it may not just be in, in, in sex. It could be in work. You know, the, the creation could be in getting validated externally by other people, friendships, our, our workplace that gives us that spark, that gives us that excitement because sexual energy is creative energy. It's, per, it's part of our personalities. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, you know, there's also... You know, can we talk a little bit about like toxic masculinity and and what that looks like and the role that plays in relationships? Sure. So my take on on that term is that it's been uh, bastardized in our society and and it hasn't, from my perspective, is not used in the way that it could be used. And what I mean by that is when I think the majority of people when they hear the the term toxic masculinity, the common association with that is that basically masculinity is bad and and by default men are bad and i completely disagree with that i vehemently disagree with that uh for so many reasons because i do believe toxic masculinity exists and i also believe toxic femininity exists and we look at them as just energetic expressions there are maladaptive unhealthy extreme expressions of the masculine i'll give an example doing 
So doing energetic, getting things done, achieving, being objective orientated can be taken to the nth degree where we sacrifice our health, we become malicious in our intent to achieve. That's an extreme version of a masculine energetic. You could call that toxic. Femininity. Um, a feminine expression is, is being energy, but let's just use connection. Being in connection, being in intimacy in the feminine energetic. We can take that to the nth degree men and women, human beings, by being very needy, by being desperate, by being manipulative. Now we're in a toxic feminine expression. So the way that it's conventionally understood, I disagree. With. The way that it's connected to patriarchy, and even that term is so complex and so loaded. And, and, and when you look at just basic definitions, but how they've been used, how they've been appropriated, these definitions in our society, it creates villains, it creates victims, it creates saviors, and it creates this triangle of placing people in these or placing groups in these areas, which isn't a bad thing. But when we're constantly doing it for one group of people and we're villainizing, we're demonizing one group of people, in this sense, in this case, it's men and toxic masculinity. I don't think that's healthy for anyone. I don't think that's healthy for humanity. This is, it's just, and what we've, what we've seen in today's culture being an, uh, an overly politically correct culture, nothing wrong with that. I see that the pendulum has, and it sort of needs to be actually, and at some point we'll come back into greater harmony. But what we're also seeing is that we're seeing more and more separation. And But as a result of that, here's the beauty of it. As a result of that, there are certain individuals and certain groups that are saying, too much separation. What does unity look like? What is unifying our, our common interests look like? What does it look like to not demonize difference and celebrate difference and celebrate our sameness as well and actually point out where we're more same than not and we're so we're seeing that and i'm an advocate of that i'm a proponent of that so we're seeing that i think more and more in society and maybe i'm seeing that more because i'm a proponent of it so i have an un inherent unconscious conscious bias of it i think i think that's that that is happening as well yeah i think it's also it's very easy to look at your partner and think of them as like an opponent or someone that you're having to protect yourself against yep. or fight against rather than thinking of them as being on your same team. Yep. And someone that can like work with you and, you know, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think people are, you know, there's, uh, there can be like a, like a bad polarity where people are working against, you know, can be working against each other and fighting too much rather than kind of changing that mindset and flipping it and thinking of working together to better the relationship. Yeah, it's interesting that point that you just made about, um, I guess, you know, making villainizing our partners and making our partners wrong. I think that that comes from, you know, in my own experience, I've done that in a way to avoid what I need to feel within me, to, to look at my stuff and to take responsibility for, hey, I could be doing something better. And my ego self doesn't want to change. And my ego self doesn't want to feel that shame that's associated with that. And in my life, shame has been a very and, and for so many of us but my life my shame has been such 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 a big it's been a big prime mover it's something that i've been avoiding like the plague for so long and so in because i didn't want to feel my own internal shame i would project on others and i would be combative with my partners and i think we see that a lot in partnership because we're unable to touch our own pain body and that's where doing that inner work slowly over periods of time gives us exposure to all parts of ourselves. And so we, we start to apply love and compassion to all those parts of ourselves. And it doesn't become so daunting. We can feel shame and not retract fully like we once used to and not project onto our partners. And I think that's really important too.
Yeah. And also just always thinking about love and compassion before you speak, before you act, when you're thinking yeah. about your partner's behavior, because that's essentially what we're after is love and peace and joy yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think everyone really wants to experience love and wants to experience joy and connection and intimacy and to be seen and to be heard and to be appreciated and respected. And these are basic human needs. Yeah. And woo, it takes a lot of work. Because <laughs> just, just when you think your work is done, you have like another bone that flies out of the closet or, you know, something that comes up and it yeah. never ceases to amaze me, you know, how, I mean, we're, it's, we're always in this amazing journey of learning about our, ourselves and relationships and how we show up in relationships. And, um, yeah, there's always, there's just always something to unpack. It seems like. <laughs> yep. Often. often. Yeah. So how do you work with, with your clients? So you work in, individually with people, with couples, like what, what does that look like working with you? What are some of the programs that you have, et cetera? They're really quite, I, I pull from various modalities. I've been studying and I continue to study for, you know, 20 plus years um, in, in human psychology, trauma, somatics, and so I pull from various modalities when I'm working with clients. It's, it's very individualized. I, I've created uh, Learn at Your Own Pace Evergreen programs. I've created many of those, and they're more, I, I guess, they're more structured in the sense that this is the program. Here's the video. Here's the PDF. Here are the lessons. Here are the the reflective practices or the practices that are involved. And it's quite uh, you know locked in in that. Whereas when I'm working with someone with couples or you know in a one on one capacity, I'm really working with where I'm meeting them where they're at. And working back from that and working forward from that and applying modalities to the healing that they require and holding space in a very specific way that's to them to the individual to the couple that's going to be beneficial for where they are in their lives now and again that you know the order of the modalities that i may lean on or, or the way that i i help them navigate or journey through particular issues is going to differ from from most clients to most clients however there are some fundamentals there there's inner child work the somatic work um, there's there's trauma work there. There's there's understanding our developmental informative years. There's, there's polarity dynamics and masculine feminine dynamics as well. But you know the inner child work is a is a big part of what I do. Yeah, and you work doing uh, like breathing uh, workshops every month as well, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so myself and my wife, um, and we have other practitioners there that are with us as well. We have a, an event monthly event called Breath Work for the Feminine. And that was really born from another program that we do called Be the Queen, which is for, which my wife and my wife and I run as well, which we've been doing that for about three years. And that was, that was really a, that's a three and a half month container where we would take women through sing, largely single women, um, a journey of connecting to self again. And, and Christine would, would really go through so much of her journey and what it took for her to be where she is at now and comfortable in her own skin and her relationship to men and all of that. And, and I hold space in that, in, in, through that program as well as the, as the masculine pole is a component to that program. But what I witnessed was the immense value of the somatic work that I was taking some of these women through or these, these, these groups through. And I thought we need to do this on a um, regular, on a regular basis. Like we need to do this on a monthly basis because be the queen is, you know, we'd, we'd launch that program live once a, once a year and we have an evergreen program as well. But I really wanted to be more regular with this. So we started Breathwork for the Feminine. Uh, it's live in Austin, but it's also live streamed and recorded as well. So, you know, last time we did this, we had uh, over 300, a touch over 300 women 
um, which was just fantastic. It's a beautiful space and it's a three hour immersive and, and we go deep and it's not just breath work. It's um, a connection exercise and, and, and healing with, with it's women only. So there's, you know, in the room at any given physically, there's, you know, anywhere from 80 to hundred women plus plus um, really just doing deep healing work. It's such, such an honor to uh, be in that space. Great. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So that's mm. in Austin, Texas, and you're yeah. doing that every month. Every month, yeah. And that's great. And your next one's on December 12th? December 12th, yeah. Yeah, Four p. Uh, sorry, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central, Central. Yeah. great. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And also, yeah, so I'm from Texas. So I love all people from living in Texas. <laughs> I was just there mm. for, for Thanksgiving with my family on wow. the ranch, uh, right outside mm. of Houston. But, um, uh, so Steph, thank you so much for coming on the show. And sure. is there, I just, I love your content on Instagram and, you know, you just uh, have a lot of juicy little bits on there. If you guys want to tune into that, what's your Instagram handle at Stephanos Safandos. Okay, great. Is there any, anything uh, closing that maybe we haven't brought up that you, you want to touch on in regards to relationships? Yeah, I would just say maybe an extension of what we touched on earlier was, you know, if you're thinking about leaving a relationship, don't leave too early. Just extract the wisdom for yourself that you need. And you'll know, you'll know, you know where you could be different and where that difference could actually be, be beneficial to you and possibly the relationship and your partner. Yeah. Cause I, I know a lot of people, they, they leave their relationship and get into a very similar one. It's like the same That's shit, right. different, same shit, different story. You know, they, they yeah. still, they keep choosing the same people, you know? Yep. So it's kind of almost work, work with who you have, unless they're too toxic and hurting you and whatnot. Absolutely. But yeah. But, um, but well, Steph, thanks so much for coming on the show and where can we find your website? Yeah, stephanosafandos.com. Okay, great. So we are going to spell that out in the show notes for you guys. So <laughs> yeah. tune into the myrtetox.com to get all the show notes and, and links to all of your products and programs. So Steph, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. And uh, every week, you know, I love bringing you experts from around the world to help you with every area of your life, not just health and detoxification, but, you know, I wanted to do this relationship series because I know it's, it's so important for so many people to not only work on their relationship, but their relationship with their self, with themselves and self-love so they can show up and be the person uh, that, that, that they, they need to be, to be totally present in a relationship and get that fulfilling relationship they deserve. So uh, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.